This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Story time. I've worked for the United States Forest Service here in Texas for just shy of 10 years now. I love my job. And it's rare for anything particularly creepy or scary to occur, but having worked this job for so long, I have my fair share of stories I can share that might just make the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. For example, we sometimes get jaguars hunting in the forests here, a particularly scary big cat, and that's because of what they do with their prey once they're caught and subdued. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. So just picture the scene. You're walking through the trees on some bright, sunny day, when all of a sudden you start to smell something rotten. You look around, but there's nothing to be seen, just the picturesque view of the pines, and the sound of birdsong floating through the green. Then something hits the top of your head, something wet. You place a hand on the top of your head, feeling something cold and slimy dribbling through your hair. You bring your hand down to see what it is, hoping it's not bird crap, only it's something way worse. It's blood. You look up, and hanging up in a tree, just feet above your head, is a the mutilated, half-eaten corpse of an animal. Guts torn out, skin shredded, face half-eaten with hooves or paws missing, with broken pieces of bone protruding from cracked limbs. It seems an utterly bizarre thing to do, but the jaguar has a good reason for doing all this heavy lifting. If a jaguar does not bother to hoist its kill into the tree, it risks losing its meal to other more ground-based predators or scavengers. Creepy, yeah, but that kind of natural world stuff is nothing compared to some of the other stuff I've encountered during my time in the forest service. So this other time, I'm on a routine walk through some of the trails to make sure all the directional signs and information markers for tourists are all in order. There's a large rock protrusion about a hundred meters off of this trail, like this big sandstone boulder that juts out of the earth that is kind of like a shallow cave carved out on one side, that been worn away from thousands of years of wind erosion. As I get close, I see a guy in what I first thought was camouflage hunting gear, hanging around the entrance. I call out to him, just some friendly greeting, nothing threatening, and he turns to look at me. Only he doesn't say a word, he just runs off through the trees. I start getting worried about what he was doing in the cave, terrified he's left a body or something there, and honestly, I thank God that he hadn't. But it seems like he did leave something behind. I mean I'm not even 100% sure it was him that did this, and I've often considered the possibility that it was him that happened across this little find first, and seeing me got the idea in his head that it was me that left those thing there. He got that idea into his head, saw me, and just freaked. But when I walked into that little cave, and shined my flashlight around, I saw something that would completely explain why he was so quick to run away, whatever his motivations for doing so were. Teeth. There was a little circular patch of dirt, one that looked like it had been raked over to clear some space. And in the middle of it all, were a bunch of human teeth. I don't know why they were there, I don't know who left them, or why. But I did what I could, I gathered them up into a little plastic bag I had on me that had previously contained my lunch, and took them down to the nearest police station, giving a little description of the guy that I'd seen run away from the cave. I've the usual wild animal encounters, weird noises during the night. 
but I've never forgotten those teeth. I've no explanation to offer up at all, but it certainly does make for a good little campfire story. I worked in a large park as a ranger in Pennsylvania. And believe it or not, we rangers have some pretty harrowing ghost tales while on the job. I worked at a park called Laurel Hill State Park in Somerset County. This park was easily one of the most haunted in the state, and I've had my fair share of horrible experiences. I'll tell you some of them. I was sitting in the office one night, when I heard somebody knock on the door. I went to the door and looked out the people. But I saw nobody out there. I opened the door, walked around and saw no one. I went back to the office and sat at my desk, I had my back to the door and I knew it was closed. I heard the door open and I felt a cold draft coming in. I turned around to see if somebody had opened the door, and I jumped when I saw nobody in the doorway. I sat there for a while and I heard the door close. I felt the chill again. I then went to the door and felt the doorknob. It was icy cold so I stood there, scared. When I heard a distinct voice in my ear saying let me in. It was a child's voice. I was scared that it must have been a ghost. I ignored it, but I kept hearing it faintly let me in. And finally, I yelled at it to leave me alone. And it eventually stopped. I went back to my desk and sat there for a while and, then I heard it again. It just kept repeating the same thing. Another time when I was patrolling out at night, I saw this white ghastly figure come strong across the clearing in front of me. It was about 9 or 10 p.m. I ran back to the car vehicle and got my radio. Told dispatch that I had sighted something. She talked me through it told me to stay calm and keep my distance. I was only about 20 yards from it. I hit the button on my radio, told dispatch that I was going to get close to it. I started walking toward it and it was walking toward me. I raced my rifle up and stopped at about 5 yards. It had no face. It was just a white shape. I thought it was a human at first but, I backed up and it kept coming. I hit the button on my radio and told dispatch that, it was going to come in contact with me. I was scared. This thing was scary looking and now I could see the details of its face, or lack thereof. It had no eyes and no mouth. No nose or ears. But it did have these faint black holes, and outlines for where those features should have been. I was terrified, and thought that I should shoot at it, but I wanted to see what would happen if I didn't. As I'm finishing that thought, it all of a sudden just vanishes, evaporates like water. Another time I was patrolling inside of the parks in the woods. I was looking around an old abandoned barn, we would sometimes use it for storage for junk, that we found lying around. I was looking inside and, I heard a noise come from the rafters. It sounded like a child crying, I looked up and saw nothing. I waited and I heard the crying again. It sounded as if it was coming up in the raptors yet a second time. So I walked to the back of the barn and looked up. I could not see anything. I walked back to the front of the barn, heard it again so desperate. I gazed up this time with my flashlight. And I see a white face staring down at me. I froze for a second. It was a wide-eyed child. It was like a child from the horror movies. And its eyes were just white. I hit the radio button and told dispatch that I saw a face in the rafters. 
I took off after that. When I was driving out, I decided to turn around and go back to the barn. Then I see these black shapes that seem to mold to the darkness around them. Going in and out of the barn. That was a night that I'll never forget. Like I said, I've seen some really spooky stuff out here. Just working as a ranger. There are more things in the woods that us rangers deal with than just Bigfoot and missing persons. It was a hot summer day, and I had gone to visit the cave of three lovers in the morning. I was walking on the trail from the cave, to the back of the park. When I heard a park ranger reporting to somebody, that a large bear was on the loose and that apparently it was dangerous at that point to be on the trails. I got really worried because, well I was alone. But I had to go by the ranger station to get to the trailhead, to get back to my car. I had to finish my hike. I was pretty nervous, and decided to go back to the cave where there were other people. I told another hiker that I was worried about the bear. And he assured me it would be fine. I decided to take his word for it and keep going. I wasn't equipped with anything like I should have been. Bear mace would have been the most optimal. I was so worried that I didn't take a picture of the back of the park. Which is pretty amazing, very photogenic. I was going to the trail and I saw it. A bear. It was huge and it was standing in the middle of the trail. It was black, and it turned to me and began snarling. It was scary and I wanted to run. But as I got a closer look, and the more I realized it wasn't actually a bear at all. But a short stocky wolf. All black, long pointed tipped ears and a very long snout. I wasn't even sure what to make of it or how to process it. This thing then starts letting out this awful scream that sounded like a woman being murdered. With the mix of a wolf howling. I was so scared I didn't know what to do. I started walking backwards and this thing starts walking towards me. So I turned around and started running. And it began chasing me. I felt I had this thing caught up to me, it would have killed me. I jumped in the brush next to me to try and avoid it. I kept running even though I could hear it running after me. I got to the parking lot and ran to my car. I had to climb the fence. I had to turn around and see if it was following me. It was. I climbed the fence and I was over it. And I was now running to the car. I was so scared I was crying. I didn't know what to do so I get in my car and I lock the doors. Now I'm shaking and scared, I turned my car on. And it was making this grinding noise. I screamed I thought this thing was going to get in the car and get me. I started going down the road and this thing was running along the fence. I kept going and I looked in my rearview mirror to see if it was still there. Oh I saw the thing. It was still running but it was slowly coming to a stop. It was still looking at me. I was scared I almost didn't want to look. Then, it kind of fell in the ground. Throwing its head back and forth. Convulsing strangely and then jumping back up to run off the way into the woods. I cried harder because I was so scared and grateful that I wasn't dead. Being a 23 year old girl I feel like I wouldn't have been strong enough to keep that thing back for me. I'm glad I survived. I usually am an adventure seeker, but after this I will be going less off the beaten path. I have never been more scared than I ever was on this hike, ever.
This story that I'm about to share with you occurred all the way back in 2007. When I was visiting Yellowstone, along with some of my friends who were also interning there at the time. Hence why I came to visit. A few of them, got to go on to do search and rescue. While others whom I believe just helped maintain peace and integrity in the park. And during my visit, my friends whom I'll keep their names anonymous were just beginning their internship. During the time I really knew nothing about park rangers. Other than them sitting in a tower or an office all day. Or boringly patrolling around the entire park. Looking for mischief or maybe teenagers who weren't doing what they were supposed to do. But little did I know that it would have everything and anything to deal with things that go bump in the night. Or things of a more supernatural nature. I wasn't exactly camping with my friends who were interning. Even though they were there with me. They had job stuff to do. So much of it involved me actually just kind of camping out by myself. While getting to hang out with them during the daytime, which was fine by me. I still had a lot of fun, but at night time and keep in mind this wasn't my first camping experience not only have I gone camping out in the woods by myself but also in campgrounds with friends, family and solo adventures. I've never experienced anything weird or out of the ordinary. So this whole thing was a first for me. On the very first night, I awoke to a strange light outside my tent. It was actually roughly 10 to 20 feet up in the air. Right above my tent. I woke up and was very startled. Thinking somebody was hanging a lantern or something. But after unzipping my tent and looking up, it appeared to be this bright orb or what I can only describe. Roughly the size of a tennis ball, just emanating a very soft, pale blue light. And just as soon as it appeared it vanished. Like somebody flicking the lights out. That definitely freaked me out. I ran back inside my tent, and hid there as best I could from anything. And really didn't get that great of sleep that night, but can you blame me? So the following day I told my friends about it. The ones who had just started interning. And they both were quiet. They didn't say much about it. These were the same kind of guys who would mock me, and make fun of me had I ever brought up aliens or UFOs or anything ghost related. To have them be this quiet was very strange. But, the day and the time did go on. So as it did, the second night came and this time I was hoping I wouldn't see any strange balls of light. Now at this time I did not believe in UFOs, ghosts or anything of that nature at all actually. I don't know if I would have considered myself an atheist. Probably more agnostic than anything, but the idea of aliens or UFOs just seemed so far-fetched. Even though I couldn't exactly explain a tennis ball-sized orb of light, directly above my tent the night before, I still wasn't about to admit to alien life. And although I told my friends, they offered no input. Other than uncomfortable glances staring down at the ground, trying to avoid any sort of reply they could. This just weirded me out more than it made me feel uncomfortable. So as I was saying, the second night came. And instead of any orbs of light I was greeted with very strange sounds far off in the distance. It sounded like King Kong, or some sort of crazy primate except the sounds were much, much deeper. Now I know in Yellowstone there are all sorts of wildlife throughout. I mean this entire state is very popular for that. But this just sounded like nothing from what I could ever imagine hearing. 
There's nothing in the United States wilderness to me, that resembles the sound of a gorilla or any sort of primate whatsoever. Especially ones with lungs that large and a voice that deep. I wasn't sure what to make of it. But it only appeared here and there, not all throughout the night but parts. Very minimal and only when I was awake. So nothing happened and startled me awake, thank goodness. The following day came and went. And I never discussed in any detail whatsoever, about the previous night that occurred with my friends. These sounds that I heard, although strange and were a little alarming, wasn't a deal breaker for me to leave. I tried to suppress any feelings I had about these weird things happening. Considering, well you know, they're not exactly normal. The third night. I had a pretty good night of sleep, actually I slept better than I have in months had felt like. I slept like a rock, probably for around 12 hours to be exact. The following day, same thing. Friends hung out we did stuff just like every other day. And on the fourth night I slept again great. Now, it was the fifth and final day and night is when stuff got a little out of hand. See, right before I turned in for the evening, a gentleman from a few campsites over came to me. And said hey I don't mean to be alarming but a little earlier I saw a large bear or what I thought to be a bear walking upright. Heading in your campsite's direction. I told him, thank you, and I would closely be on the lookout. He walked away, and right then I wasn't exactly sure if the Yellowstone even had grizzly bears in the area. But that he obviously had some sort of bear sighting and I should keep my eyes peeled. Well I never saw anything, until it was time for bed. I feel it's also important too to make note, that in Yellowstone I was in the Madison campground. Which I think is the most northern part of the campground site. And there was actually very few people in it, during this week. Probably because this was through a Monday and Friday. At least I can assume. There was a decent amount of people, but it was nowhere near full. In fact I only had a few other people near my site. And by near I mean several spots over. So I definitely had privacy, and at times during the night this occurred to me every night I would have to pee really bad. So I'd get up out of my tent and instead of going to the bathrooms, I would run into the woods which were close by, into my business. At 2 o'clock in the morning, with nothing but a headlamp. It managed to work pretty good. Because, well you're surrounded in darkness and nobody else around is looking for you. So it's nice and that's exactly the perfect segue to take you into exactly what happened. I get up on the very fifth night, probably one in the morning and head over to the same trees that I've been going to every other night. But this time, as I'm approaching it something felt off. And in my sleep stupor. I never once thought about the orb of light or the weird gorilla noises I was hearing. Or just how I managed to get the best night of sleep in my life, the other few nights. And instead I felt a very familiar feeling, like I was being watched from the woods. Like the direction I was going to, was dangerous. The bathrooms were easily double the distance in the opposite direction. Which is why I went for the woods anyway. But I just said screw it, and kept going into the woods. I only went maybe 10 feet in and at that point, I invent myself being very alert to the sounds and things around me. And even though I was still feeling watched, I couldn't exactly see a source of who was watching me. I did have my headlamp on. A one that just drops around your head. 
I'm not talking about a full helmet headlamp. So I was looking around, and couldn't see anything. Until I turned just enough to my right, and that was met with a reflection of eyes. On a very large dark shape. It almost appeared to be gorilla-like but not quite. It was man-like as well. It's really hard to tell, when you're in the forest because there's brush and trees in the way. But all I saw was the eye reflection attached to a large black silhouette. The shape of a gorilla or a man. But much much bigger. I screamed. Quickly zipped up midstream and ran back to my tent as fast as I could. Unsure of what to do. Should I tell somebody? Should I try and protect myself? I wasn't sure, so I hid in my tent the rest of the night. Again just like the first night with the orb, except this time way more terrified. Had I just seen a Bigfoot? I wasn't sure. But I'd seen something, I didn't sleep at all that night either. And the morning came. I felt my adrenaline was really wearing low, and I felt exhausted. I feel like I had to call my trip quit since this was the day I was planning on leaving anyway. I met up with my buddies, hopped up on at least three cups of coffee just to try and endure my lack of sleep. I came clean and told them what I saw last night. And just like after the first night, they both went quiet and then asked me if I could keep something on the down low. I agreed. They both pulled me aside and they both told me that on their first couple days they saw really weird things in the sky. Orbs, triangles, strange shapes they can't identify. Black dark huge humanoid silhouettes running through the woods. Yellow glowing eyes chasing them, running parallel. All sorts of super freaky fictionist stuff. Except in their case, they were terrified when retelling it. And these dudes are dudes I went to high school with. Dudes who are super serious. Science diehards, the kind of guys who, as I told you earlier, would make fun of you if you ever said you knew or saw a ghost. These guys were absolutely scared and I've never seen them so scared of my life. But I asked them, is the job worth it? They said yes because it only happened a few times. But obviously me bringing it up made them very uncomfortable and almost served as a reminder to them that it's a very real part of their job. Now if we fast forward now to 2020, both of them, to my knowledge are still working as full-time park rangers. Although with COVID I'm not exactly sure how that's worked out for much of the environmental field of work. Maybe they're not working there anymore. I think the one, stayed with Yellowstone up until at least 2020. Again I'm assuming COVID has put a dent in things. The other one I think eventually transferred or moved states. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm not sure, maybe to Pennsylvania or New York. Possibly Virginia. I lost contact with him, but as far as I know he still works as a ranger. Because they both just enjoy the work I guess. And even though there is weird things to the job, they love the sights. They love the sounds, 
and ultimately they loved being immersed in nature 24/7 as a part of their occupation even though sometimes that occupation has some very strange payoffs that you have to do i guess the question here is did they see the same thing i did because when they told me about their experiences i didn't have much to say i mean conversation kind of just passed and changed subjects but i think about it from time to time and listening to your bigfoot encounters and your park ranger stories always brings me back to that week i wonder if i too saw a sasquatch out there i know nothing of the bigfoot population in yellowstone or if that even is such a thing and i also wonder did my two friends see bigfoots i'm not exactly sure i mean for all i know there could be a clan of them living out here and maybe just maybe one was curious enough to sneak up on me that night to see what i was doing when i said i was feeling watched there wasn't a feeling of danger like hostile behavior or that i was going to die maybe assuming how bigfoots or i was just being observed when i showed my headlamp that night and saw the silhouette it was probably somewhere 30 to 50 feet away behind some trees and brush this was june after all which is yet another reason i was so surprised that even though during the week it was so empty compared to normal even my friends made that comment that they figured there'd be a lot more people which again would also make sense that there wouldn't be as much activity or sightings more people less bigfoot around assuming that's what i saw anyway i don't want to try and jumble on my words here please don't hesitate if you have any questions I would love to get you answers as soon as I can. For this story specifically, it is necessary to explain my general area I live in as it pertains to this event. I live next to Yellowstone National Park, which in of itself has drawn millions of tourists each year. Part of the reason I am writing this is merely a warning to people who decide to visit during the summer months. Last year in the summer of 2020, me and some of my buddies decided to go have a night out and do some camping out near a spot we have been to multiple times in the past. After all, this was right after things started to become normal again and lockdowns were lifted. I decided to head up to the camp spot early in an effort to make sure my gear was still set up from earlier that day. I did this as an effort to reserve the spot as its first come first serve. Therefore, with everything in hand, I left my house right before sunset. We were all supposed to meet up within the hour, so I didn't really have any concerns of being by myself. I then began my 30-minute drive up to the location. When I finally arrived I immediately noticed my tent and everything inside was gone. Now just for some context, I staked the tent down in multiple areas just to be sure it stayed for the period I was gone. Inside was my sleeping bag and a few other miscellaneous items I left just to keep it weighted down. However everything, literally everything disappeared as if it was never there. I looked around and even the stakes and rocks I placed on the outside were missing. I immediately knew something was wrong because I did not see any campers on the way up. Also, keep in mind I do not have cell service as it's a couple miles back into the wilderness. I then decided to drive back down from where I came to get service and get a hold of my friends and let them know what happened. Least to say, 
I was not happy with the situation and knew that whoever took my belongings were still in the area as it had only been there for an hour or two. However, my friends insisted that I stayed and at least hang out for a few hours as it took weeks of planning. So once I made sure everyone arrived, I then decided to go around the area in search of any sign of footprints or indications that maybe these people were close by. As you can guess I wasn't able to find anything. I eventually played it off and decided I would just look for it in the morning and contact the forest service to report it missing. I also didn't want to ruin the party for everyone and decided to stay. In hindsight, this was by far one of the worst decisions I could have ever made. As the night went on, everything seemed fine. So I thought. Around 1 or 2 in the morning most of my friends decided to call it a night. I ended up sleeping in my truck. This was perhaps one of the better decisions that I made this night. That along with always making sure to bring my bear spray and sidearm for protection from unexpected guests. I eventually fell asleep, however it's important to note that I was still a bit on edge as only a couple hours before all of my belongings were taken. I decided to leave my window rolled down a bit just in case I heard anything creep up on us in the middle of the night. After about two hours of me being asleep my worst nightmare came true. At first I just heard something moving around outside of our camp. This was enough noise to wake me up, and I immediately froze and didn't move whatsoever. Therefore this was partially because I knew whatever was making the noise was large. Not just a raccoon or any smaller creature. I then was paralyzed just listening intently to whatever was happening outside of our camp. My first thought was that it was a bear. We also had sightings recently in the area. At one point I swear it could have only been maybe 20 to 30 yards away. Also another key point I noticed was that there was absolutely no other noises. Usually there's grasshoppers or birds but it was complete and utter silence. Now in a wilderness that's never a good sign. It means there's a large predator or something of the like in the area. Meanwhile it's pitch black outside and our fire had completely gone out. After about 15 minutes of not hearing anything I decided I just needed to stop being paranoid. But just as I was about to fall back asleep I saw something to the right of our campsite. It was just a few yards away from our fire pit and probably about 20 yards from me. To my absolute horror it was a person. I immediately freaked. This was no average person either. Let alone the fact that it's 3 or 4 in the morning and you're in someone's campsite. This person was wearing what I made out to be some kind of mask. I got a very good look at whoever it was and it was a deer skull on their face. They were wearing a black robe and that's about all I noticed. I sure didn't want to leave my truck and confront this person so I did what I thought was best. I turned my truck on and began honking the horn until all of my friends were awake. I rolled down the window and told them we need to get out of here immediately. After seeing what I saw then did exactly that. Meanwhile this person hasn't moved mind you. Just as I thought it was bad, the situation got even worse. More of these figures began appearing in front of us through the trees. Wearing the same outfits as mentioned earlier but with a multiple of different masks. I immediately put my truck into reverse and began speeding away. They began walking closer and closer but luckily I was able to drive out of the spot in time. As I began to speed down the road out of there, 
Three more of these figures appeared out from the side of my truck. This time with a dog and way more aggressive than the previous ones I saw. They began throwing rocks at my truck and chasing after me. At one point they were literally right next to my passenger window until I accelerated even more and eventually lost them. As I looked back in my mirror I saw only one figure left. Just simply peeking and staring at me behind a tree. This image is forever seared into my head. From this night on I refuse to ever go back up there. I've never, ever, spoke of this to anyone. Even when I was around my friends that experienced this we never mentioned it to each other. It's been over a year now since this happened and well all I can say is that I believe these people were in some sort of cult. I heard other stories about similar events happening and even cattle completely disappearing. It's very barbaric and you wouldn't think that such a beautiful national park that attracts so many people year round would have such dark and disturbing secrets. My advice to anyone that decides to travel to these mysterious and preserved parks of intrinsic beauty would be to always bring protection of some kind. Likewise make sure you let others know about your plans and never go alone. There are hundreds of missing persons reports across the national parks inside the United States, and I could have very well been one of them if I had stayed just a few minutes longer. Nature has a way to attract very different types of people. Some want to explore and push themselves to their limits, meanwhile some simply don't want to be seen and lurk in the darkness of night. A former Green Beret once told me the key to survival was always being aware of your surroundings and listening to your instincts. If a particular situation doesn't feel right, chances are it's not. Stay safe everyone. I got to this cabin because my mom wanted the family, parents and three siblings, to go on a two-week vacation site seeing various sites in California. Closer to the end of this vacation, we stayed in a cabin-slash-motel place not far out of a national park, Sequoia if I remember correctly. It was in a small town with a couple hundred people. There were individual cabins and the property acted like a motel. The cabin was very nice and modernized. Yet I got a sense that my family weren't the only ones in the cabin. I didn't want to be alone in the cabin at all. This coming from someone who enjoys being alone. I told my sisters about the uneasy feeling I had, but tried reassuring me that maybe I just didn't like being in a new place. It didn't work. We left after the second night and I eventually forgot about the unease. A few months later, my mom and I were watching Dateline together one of the few shows we both watch. They had images of a cabin-slash-motel that looked an awful lot like the cabin I'd gotten a really uneasy feeling in. Mom looked it up and it was the same. Turns out, that particular episode was about a killer who had been a handyman at that cabin-slash-motel in the 90s. I feel like I'd been able to tell that someone had died in the cabin my family had stayed in. I didn't know about this killer before I stayed at the cabin-slash-motel. I can't be sure though. I don't think the police were able to confirm that someone was killed in the cabins. The killer had only been convicted of two murders. It's suspected he killed other people, but it still hasn't been confirmed. I don't think he stopped at just two murders. I was hiking the mountain with some friends of mine, Tom and Josh, 
those two had been my best friends ever since elementary school. Tom was getting married in a week and insisted we go out camping. We were gonna hike up the side of the mountain and make camp for a few days. The first night was great, we made camp, sat around a fire, drank and told stories just like old times. Josh was the first one to turn in, leaving me and Tom alone with the fire and booze. We chatted a bit more before he stood to head to bed. He asked if I was gonna turn in but I shook my head and told him I'd wait to make sure the fire went out. He ducked into his tent. As I sat there alone with my thoughts then I noticed something, there was a pair of glowing red spots shining at me from the trees. I shook my head and rubbed my eyes, when I looked back up they were gone. Had I imagined them? Maybe I'd had too much to drink. Or maybe it was just an owl, those spots were pretty high up but. They looked pretty big to belong to an owl. I sighed and kicked dirt over the embers at the fire and went into my tent. I crawled into my sleeping bag and started to doze off. Just before I did though I thought I heard something, like something rubbing against the tent, but by then it was too late and I drifted into a dreamless sleep I awoke to the smell of coffee and roasting sausages. I stepped out of the tent and saw Josh, always the early bird, was making a breakfast of coffee and sausage. I sat with him and enjoyed the crisp morning air and took in the scenery. I talked with Josh for a while before Tom woke up and joined us, we all sat together for a bit before we started packing our gear to go on a hike. While I did I noticed something weird, there seemed to be weird prints around the camp and tent. I wasn't really sure what they were, then again I wasn't an animal expert, but the weirdest part was that I didn't see any tracks leading to or from camp. They just circled the camp for a while before ending abruptly near my tent. Maybe it had climbed a tree? It was possible but there weren't many trees near the campsite. Before I had much more time to dwell on this Tom called for me to join him and Josh. I shook my head to clear the thoughts and join them. It was amazing, the forest had recovered beautifully from the disaster just 40 years prior. We took pictures and talked and laughed, it was perfect. Until we came upon a body in a tree. Josh was the first to notice it. He was in the middle of making some joke about an athlete when he stopped and paled. I turned to see what froze him and felt the blood drain from my face. Suspended in the tree, 15 or 20 feet up, was a deer. Its body had been badly mangled, its head held onto its body by a few strands of flesh, its rear limbs were missing, and its stomach was ripped open with most of its entrails missing. Its body was stuffed in the crevice between two branches Tom threw up at the side and none of us said anything. I think Josh broke the silence, he wanted to know what could have done something like that. I shook my head and told him that it could have been a cougar, I had heard that some big cats carried their kills up in trees. That didn't put him at ease. Tom explained that he had spoken to a park ranger before they came up here and they had said there weren't any large predators spotted near here. But even if it was a cougar there wasn't much of a chance it'd bother us at camp, plus he showed us a hunting rifle he had brought, just in case. I suppose that was enough for Josh, since he calmed a bit at that and we resumed walking. Though this time we were silent I didn't entirely think it was a cougar though, that body was pretty torn up and there were no claw marks on the trunk of the tree. But I didn't voice those concerns. 
By the time we made it back to camp it had started getting dark but the mood had lightened considerably, we were back to joking and laughing. The dead deer all but gone from our minds. But we fell silent once we saw the state of our camp, it had been totally ransacked. Our tents were ripped to shreds and our supplies were strewn all over the place. The coolers containing our food had been ripped open or totally crushed, I even saw one that looked like it had been flung 20 or 30 feet feet away. At first I didn't see the beer cooler, until I looked up and saw it sitting between two branches 20 feet off the ground. Tom and Josh immediately began searching the remains of the camp for anything we could salvage, both convicted that whatever had killed the deer had found our camp and ransacked it and I agreed. While they searched for anything to salvage I searched around for tracks, there were plenty large clawed footprints around the camp that I had a hard time identifying. But the part that confused me was that, once again, none of tracks were heading in or out of camp. I turned to point it out to the others but felt my voice die in my throat as my eyes fell on something in the trees, a massive shape with red eyes glaring at me. It stood in the darkness of the tree branches, at least 20 feet off the ground, and I could just barely make out the shape of it. I could see a large powerful body with muscular arms ending in claws that glinted in the rising moonlight. I saw a snout, almost like a wolf or bat, that was filled with sharp yellowed teeth. I was about to yell for one of the others when massive bat-like wings unfurled from behind the creature and launched it into the air and out of view with a single powerful flap. I quickly turned to the others, desperate to confirm if they saw what I saw, but was quickly silenced when Josh made a sound of triumph and held up the keys to his car. He explained that we could likely make a trip to a nearby ranger station and tell them what happened, then sort things out after that. He began making his way to the edge of camp but only made it halfway when a massive dark shape dropped from the sky right on him and vanished upwards just as quickly taking Josh with it, he didn't even have time to scream Tom immediately began to panic. Shouting what was that? What the hell was that? While I searched the dark sky for any sign of Josh or whatever took him, there was no sign of either of them. Tom was still freaking out when I grabbed him by the shoulders and told him we had to go to the truck and try to get help. He still seemed to be in shock but numbly nodded and grabbed his rifle before we both made a mad dash through the woods. We ran as fast as we could, terrified we'd feel claws digging into our backs or shoulders with every step. However I guess luck was on our side since we made it to the cars without anything happening. In fact we were both running so fast we ended up nearly slamming into the car door. I immediately started yanking on the handle, desperately trying to open the door, when Tom's hand suddenly grabbed my shoulder. I turned to face him and saw he was pale and there were tears in his eyes, I nearly came to tears myself when he reminded me that Josh had the keys. I don't know how long we stood there, an air of utter despair washing over both of us before it was all shattered with a crash from behind me. I quickly turned to see Josh's mutilated body laying on the roof of the car, his eyes and most of his face had been clawed off. I opened my mouth to scream when suddenly I was nearly deafened by the sound of a gunshot from behind. When I turned around I saw Tom aiming his gun at the sky, wildly firing at a dark shape above. If any of his shots made contact that thing didn't show it. While he shot I began desperately searching through Josh's pockets for the keys, 
I finally felt my fingers make contact with cold metal and pulled them out with a triumphant yell. I turned to tell Tom I had found the keys but just as I did I heard a sound that froze my blood, the click of an empty gun. Tom turned to me, a look of fear and despair in his eyes, before he was tackled to the ground by that thing. I felt its wing hit me and I was knocked to the ground, the sound of Tom screaming and flesh tearing filled my ears as I saw the the creature ripping into him. Instinct took over and I rolled under the truck I closed my eyes and covered my ears but the sound of Tom's scream still pierced into my mind, it felt like hours before they stopped but it was likely only moments. When silence finally fell I slowly opened one eye, terrified that the monster would be inches from my face. Instead I saw the remains of Tom, his head was laying a few feet from his body with its empty dead eyes staring at me. I strained my ears and eyes to catch any sign that that thing was still there but I didn't see or hear anything. Part of me wanted to desperately climb out and try to get in the truck before it got me, but fear gripped my body and stopped me from moving. What if it was on the roof? Or hovering just above the truck? Waiting for me I spent the entire night under that truck, any time I mustered the courage to try and crawl out I thought I heard the beat of massive wings or something shifting on the roof of the car. Even when the sun came up I was too afraid, the only thing that finally encouraged me to crawl out was the screech of tires. I looked up to see a park ranger vehicle near the truck, I quickly crawled out from under and staggered towards the ranger. What happened next was a blur. I remember desperately trying to explain what happened while the ranger looked at the bodies of my friends with a look of horror, I remember waiting at the station and trying to convince them that a flying monster killed my friends. They didn't believe me. Of course they also didn't believe I had killed my friends, according to them no human could have done that to them. The attack was attributed to a bear that was seen in the area a few days later. Funerals were held for Tom and Josh. Most people were sympathetic and said they were happy I managed to make it out alive. Tom's fiancé didn't say a word to me, the look she gave me was enough. I attended therapy afterwards, at the request of my family, and they said I was suffering from survivor's guilt and that I made up the monster I saw out of terror. They're half right, I shouldn't have survived that night. But I didn't make up that monster. I know I didn't. I'm writing this in my car on the side of the road, back on the mountain. My gun is in the seat next to me. I'm going back to the campsite and this time I'm not returning without that thing. No matter what.